Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, how you doing? My name is Nolan. I am from Past Gas by Donut Media, the Internet's number one automotive history show. That's right. We talk car history. And this week we are talking about a lesser known underappreciated, underrated, undermentioned tuning house called Tommy Kyra. If you're deep into the JDM world, you know these guys. But for those of you who don't, Tommy Kyra is responsible for some of the most understated and just cool tuner cars out there. They had a really interesting philosophy on how they built their cars. Originally, one of the founders sold AMG and other European sports cars through his dealership in Japan and decided to take that same ethos with domestic Japanese vehicles, and they ended up with some really, really cool stuff. This is a cool story. This was a fun one, really just goofy time with James and Joe. So go check that out. Tommy Kyra on Past Gas, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show today. Thank you. Bye. Hey guys, welcome to the Past Gas Podcast. If you like Past Gas, please help us grow by giving us a good rating and a nice review on the podcast platform of your choice. It'll really help us out, and I really appreciate that, so thank you. All right, now for the show. When we left off last week, AMC had just won their first Trans Am Championship. The year was 1971. It was a tumultuous time in America. The unrest of the 60s was still fresh in the minds of many Americans, as more of their fellow countrymen were in the streets protesting the ongoing Vietnam War. Inflation was rising rapidly as the economy was on the brink of another recession. I am today ordering a freeze on all prices and wages throughout the United States for a period of 90 days. Things weren't looking good, especially for the American Motors Corporation. Their bid to triumph over the big three in Trans Am was successful, but the victory was hollow as their competitors had pulled out of the sport the entirely. Are also won with a Penske but how did an American car company's untimely demise lead to the assassination of a French automotive executive? Well, we're gonna find out. This is Past Gas.
Welcome back to Past Gas, everyone. I'm your host, Nolan Sykes, joined as always by my other hosts, James Pumphrey. Hi. And Joe Weber. What's up, uh, Past Gas Nation? Last week, we were talking about the Javelin and... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really love the Javelin. I think it's... Me it's, too. Me it's too. It's so I cool. think it's such a... It's such a weird car. Like, the design is just a little off, I think, maybe because they're not around anymore. So, none of the design cues have been carried on, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, this, the, the, the proportions Mustang's still, are a little bit off. Which right. Are, yeah. Like, it's kind of like a weird, cool. They look thing. like Dexter's Laboratory. Cars. <laughs> yeah. Like, they look like the parents' cars from Dexter's That's Laboratory. That's pretty funny. That's an astute. There are actually a bunch of javelins on Craigslist. That I was looking at mm-hmm. for a while. I would never actually go through with it, but I think they're pretty cool. I would eventually like, maybe not a Javelin, but definitely I would love to own an AMC, like a Hudson or a, uh, or a Rambler or a Nash at some point. Is the, is the Eagle the like wagon that's super high up? Yes, it is. Yeah, like a four-wheel drive wagon. Oh, yeah. So cool. Okay. Today, we're talking about the assassination of George Bess and... Uh, how AMC might have been inadvertently responsible for his death. Shall we get into it? Yeah. Uh, Frenchman Jean-Marc Rouillon decided he wanted Jean. to get involved. Jean. <laughs> that one's okay. Right, that, one's, that, one on, that one's on I'll me. I'll give that one to Joe. Okay, yeah, I'll start over. <laughs> Jean-Marc, <laughs> Frenchman Jean-Marc Rouillon decided he wanted to involve himself in some Spanish politics with the goal of bringing down Spain's fascist Franco government. Back in 1936, a vicious civil war had broken out in the country. Fighting was done between the Republicans, the ruling party made up of urban workers, farmers, and the educated middle class, versus uh, nationalist rebels, a coalition of military leaders, landowners, business owners, and the church. By mid-year, the nationalists captured nearly half of the country, as well as Spanish territories like the Canary Islands and Spanish Morocco. In the months that followed, Spain was ravaged with atrocities committed by both sides, as both Republicans and nationalists looked beyond their borders for help. Around 40,000 foreigners came to the Republicans' aid, while nationalist leader General Francisco Franco asked fascist Italy and Nazi Germany for assistance, which they happily provided. After two years of brutal combat, the nationalists captured the capital of Madrid as most of the Republican forces were disbanded. After the war, Franco was given absolute power. Uh, He was not burdened with the obligation to consult his cabinet before making any legislation. Franco's government was extremely authoritarian in nature. A cult of personality was built around Franco and espoused that he had been sent by God to save Spain. People were encouraged to report any co-workers suspected of any, quote, leftist activities. Franco made any non-government union illegal, which took away any organizing power in the private sector. Franco ignored Spain's diverse heritage and instead heavily promoted, quote, traditional Spanish activities like bullfighting and flamenco dancing. Franco's government censored the media, making criticism illegal as late as 1970. Uh, I think you guys are probably getting the picture here. Yeah, it's just like right now. (laughs) 
Uh, Franco was a bad guy, and Francoist Spain doesn't sound like a good place to be. And that's where yeah, Frenchman... kind of like right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where Frenchman Jean-Marc Rouillon comes into play. The Frenchman was based in the town of Toulouse, about a two-hour drive from the border with Spain. In the time since the Spanish Civil War, exiled Republican fighters had crossed the border into southern France, and they hadn't forgotten anything that Franco had put them through. The mood in the region was still very counter-revolutionary, even 30 years after Franco took power. Jean-Marc fashioned himself as a freedom fighter and was inspired to start his own counter-revolutionary counter group when he heard that Spanish police had assassinated one Salvador Puig Antique, a member of the anti-Franco Iberian Liberation Movement. Jean-Marc was radicalized by this killing, and he was not the only one. Jean-Marc and the other revolutionaries formed groups de Action Revolutionaires Internationales, or GARY, and began <laughs> carrying out operations in Spain and southern France by robbing banks in Brussels, Paris, and Toulouse. GARY was able to fund their insurgent acts. They machine-gunned the Spanish prime minister's car, sabotaged railways, burned buses, and bombed buildings. Eleven firefighters were seriously injured when GARY placed a bomb on the roof of a Spanish school. Then, when two of its members were arrested during a routine traffic stop, Gary was dismantled in 1979. But because they were arrested in France and not Spain, Jean and the other Gary were not charged with terrorism in that country and they were released. Jean-Marc Roulian took some time off from robbing and bombing and decided to regroup. So yeah, uh, I don't know if any clarification needs to be made there. Um, this seems like yeah, a movie. Clarify Have they not made a movie about this? Not yet, Joe. Okay, uh, first donut <laughs> production, huh? <laughs> yeah, this would definitely make a good movie for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, clarify, and, Nolan. I could I could use a little clarification, even though I just read it. So this group, uh, Gary, um, in my research, it sounds like there were a lot of groups like Gary at this time. Um, uh huh. And they would like kind of pull, they would, you know, they would uh, do those attacks like the machine gunning of the car and the bombing and stuff like that. But it doesn't really seem like they're ever really successful at, at pulling off their goal. And mostly they just they just robbed a lot of banks and, because to them, that was also kind of an act of revolution, you know, because they were taking uh -huh. money from, you know, the, the financial institutions and they kind of fashion themselves as like. Robin Hood in that way, but usually that money just went to financing their own acts anyway. Dude, if they wanted to lead a revolution, why didn't they just drive across the country as fast <laughs> as possible? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you really uh, make a change. Yeah, if you haven't listened to our uh, Cannonball Run series, uh, definitely check that out. Um, I don't know what Brock... What do you think Brock Yates would think of Gary? I think he'd be like, y'all wasting your time. All you need to do is get a Ferrari and drive really fast across the country. And then everyone will listen up. Yeah, If you think oh, about man. it, the fascist regime of Franco is pretty much the same as a 55 mile per hour speed limit. Dude, I was <laughs> thinking that. That's pretty much the exact same. Uh, Tony Angelo uh, texted me after that the first cannonball came out. Uh -huh. And he was like, dude, uh, Brock Yates Jr. lives in my neighborhood. We get beers. That's like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, I think maybe when we're allowed to go get beers with people again, um, we can go get beers with him. Yeah, let's do that for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
So. We go to Philly. We gotta go to fucking Philly, baby. <laughs> if we want to go, if we want to get beers, we gotta go to Philly, baby. Donut does have like some good connection to Philly. Uh, we... Dude, fucking love Philly. Fucking my the homie Russo's fucking Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Russo. Fucking Tony Angelo's from fucking Philly, baby. <laughs> let's go get some water in Philly. Yeah, let's go get some fucking water. <laughs> All right, I hate so. the fucking Celtics or something. <laughs> I hate the fucking Celtics or something. I hate the fucking Braves. <laughs> anyway, AMC. You're, oh, you're a Braves fan? You're a Braves fan? Fuck you. <laughs> Drink uh. some water. Drink some water and eat a fucking cheesesteak. I fucking hate the Phillies. I hate the Braves. <laughs> and I hate the Bucks. Why do you hate the Phillies? No, I love the Phillies. What did I say? <laughs> I'm just so mad give me a glass of water <laughs> yeah you need to calm down man Here, i love drink, rocky drink that i love drink rocky that. what yeah, are you, you guys, talking about you guys I made a statue rocky. for rocky yeah you, you I made love a statue rocky. for him for some reason <laughs> anyway amc was struggling in the late 70s uh, an economic slump a few years earlier had kneecapped sales and the company was struggling to recover their gremlin and pacer compact cars had been decent sellers but the best was behind them by 1979. The only thing keeping AMC in the black was loans and Jeep. AMC had acquired Jeep back in 1970, buying the brand from the Kaiser Corporation, who had bought it from Willys Overland seven years earlier. Hey, wait, quick quick side note. Uh, I've been pronouncing Willys Jeep wrong this whole time. It's actually Willis Jeep. Oh, thank you, Joe. The guy who so knows everyone everything. is pronouncing it wrong. Willis. Yeah. All right, Willis over. Oh, I thank think you. also I think that um, we've been saying AMC wrong. Yeah, I think it's Amp. How do you say? <laughs> Amp. Okay, that makes yeah, way my more bad. Sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amp. Okay. Uh, under I think Amp the capitalization is what's confusing. It is all caps, but you don't say every letter. <laughs> right. Okay, that, that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, they bought it from Willis Overland seven years earlier under AMP's ownership. Uh, Jeep innovated by introducing the first automatic all-wheel drive system in 1972, and they introduced the iconic CJ7 in 1976. My dad had a CJ7, a white oh, that's, one. That's sweet. Did he only have white cars? Uh, he had a lot of them. He had a white Ranger. He had a white BMW. He had two white BMWs. White. Yeah, I think he liked white cars. I never thought about that. Maybe my dad was Pusha T. <laughs> uh, I love Pusha T. I love okay. Pusha T because, like, all right, this guy, all he does is talk about, like, being, like, a legit drug dealer, right? Yeah, cocaine cowboy, like, dude. Yeah. So he's, like, the most drug dealer of all the rappers. But he was in clips. And so, like, He's been famous since he was 17 years old, probably 16 or 17, like involved in the music industry for, you know, at, almost as long as like Justin Timberlake. Right. <laughs> so like Pusha T has just decided to do like drug dealer cosplay. <laughs> yeah. And like, true. that's his whole thing. Rick Ross is the same way. It's like none of you guys sold drugs. Yeah. Speaking just of Justin Timberlake, the first, uh, clip song i ever or the first instance of clips i ever heard was in the justin timberlake song uh like i love you which has oh. a verse by Pusha t on it and it's actually it's pretty good <laughs> it's a great song I gotta listen to that track. 
Oh, yeah. That conversation came full circle real nicely. Back to the show. Back to the show. Uh, Jeep (laughs) produced a mail truck variant called the Dispatcher, a two-wheel drive CJ5 used by the United States Post Office. Uh, Thanks to the rising popularity of off-roading in the U.S., Jeep enjoyed great sales throughout the 70s. Essentially, you're going to say thanks to the rising popularity of mail. Yeah, so essentially, Jeep was carrying AMC on its back. However, the profit margin for AMC was so low that the slightest hit to the economy would mean AMC was done for. And as luck would have it, that's exactly what happened. Now, AMC had run up so much credit that no one would loan them any more money. So they started looking for a buyer. The company was too small for anyone in the U.S. looking to compete with the big three, but its small size did have an advantage. AMC was a perfect option for a large foreign automaker wanting to get in on the American market, and that's when French automaker Renault came into the picture. Meanwhile, back in France... Jean-Marc Rouillon still had a passion for guerrilla warfare and a desire to get... It's hard to give up. It's hard to kick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's tough. I'm trying myself, man. I'm trying. (laughs) And he had a desire to get something done. So from the remnants of his dissolved Gary group, he formed a new one called Action Direct, or as we'll refer to them, uh, Direct Action. Uh, Direct Action was a collaboration between former Gary members and another group called how I don't even know how to pronounce this. I'm going to do my best. Uh, no, yo, arm, autonomy, populaire, uh, or N nap app for short. <laughs> my favorite nap app is the calm app. <laughs> We're not sponsored by them. <laughs> We're not. We could be calm. Hit us up. Info anyway. at donut.media. <laughs> nap app. You, you can hear Luke Perry say the velveteen rabbit <laughs> do they have luke i i, I want to listen to luke wilson in the uh the velveteen rabbit do they have that yeah option? they got luke wilson um reading wow. Stuart little <laughs> wow you know it was a good day for Stuart. And, uh, he carrots, and then he went over and he wanted to see mr badger so he knocked on mr badger's door it was a cute little house it's like a little animal house you know and like really you know, reflected Mr. Badger's personality, which is a little grim and a little gruff. And then Mr. Badger came out, and even though he's like a little animal, he's got a front door. He's got decorations inside of his house. And he wears a, a little suit, like a little man's suit. And like, they personify him. Like, he's very personified really well. Like, he, he's a grumpy, Badger's a grumpy animal, so he wears like the same kind of suit as like a grumpy like kind of short chubby guy with funny hair would wear like in old in old england that was amazing <laughs> it's yeah. really good dude that's so good it's great it's called the nap app <laughs> it, it, you get celebrities we got celebrities and they just read um <laughs> stories from our childhood that was incredible okay so yeah in 1979 uh nap app uh restructured and vowed to carry out attacks in the name of anti-imperialism and, quote, proletarian defense. Uh, They wanted to fight for the little guy. But as this story progresses, I think their actions might have hurt more little guys than they helped. Uh, Direct action carried out. (laughs) (laughs) 
direct action carried out nearly 50 attacks. They attacked French government buildings, French army buildings, property management buildings, arming, yeah. arms manufacturers, and carried out an attack Put on Put a moratorium the, on rent now! Uh, <laughs> now. Arms, okay. Uh, and carried out an attack on the employer's union headquarters, uh, which was basically, like, there was... You know, there was labor unions, and then the employer's union was kind of like a cheeky name. This is where all the heads of industries would kind of hang out and try to uh, figure out how to best... Uh, the little guy. Basically, yeah. So if you yeah. made money exploiting the working class, or if direct action thought you did, uh, you were a target. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Mm. Meanwhile, back in America. Renault had been looking for a way to get into the American market, but the logistics of bringing the company to U.S. soil was far too complicated. Plus, Renault didn't make a car that Americans would want to buy anyway. Renault made small cars for cramped cities, and while there are cramped cities all over this country, the thought of buying a small car to navigate them has never really been that popular for some reason. I'm going to buy... I want to buy a Fiesta, Fiesta ST, baby. I would love one of those. Are they affordable yet? We'll talk. We'll talk offline okay. during the hobby conversation. <laughs> okay. Um, even though AMC's sales were slumping hard, they at least had an idea of what kind of cars to build for Americans. So Renault jumped at the chance to buy a stake in the company. Renault bought fifteen million dollars in stock of AMC, which gave them five percent ownership, far from the controlling stake. But Renault would lend AMC $135 million, which then turned into stock in the company, allowing Renault to eventually take control. The French firm sent two representatives over to the U.S. who were given board member positions and allowed Renault to observe how AMC did business. And what they found made these guys go, Sacre bleu. <laughs> <laughs> now, tradition can be an important asset in a company as old as AMC, a chain that links everyone together, but it can also bind people to doing things wrong. Renault found out that AMC had a horribly... Shush. <laughs> Aw, little birdie. If you think about it, a bark is like a dog's way of saying sacre bleu. 
<laughs> yeah, my little dog was just saying, Sakura Blue, who's out there? <laughs> um, Renault found out that AMC had a horribly inefficient supply chain and manufacturing process that wasted lots of money and lots of time. And Business 101 tells us that time is money, baby. The workflows were smoothed out and the old guys running things were retired. And for the time being, Renault would finally bring one of their cars to American shores. It was called the Alliance. This drab sedan was also available as a convertible. And I can assure you, it is the most car-looking car ever built. Okay, guys? I want you guys to close your eyes. Let's do Unless you're driving, then keep them open. But let's do a little exercise, a little imagination vacation. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine a car. All right? Just a basic car. Okay? You got it in your head? I now? got it. Yeah. Okay. More basic. Okay. Okay. You visualizing it? I'm visualizing yeah. it. Okay. I'm seeing like a Mercury Grand Marquis, just like yeah, a yeah. square and it's tan. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly you, where you're supposed to be at this point, Joe. Even more basic really? than that. Yeah, more basic. Yeah, I don't know how it can be more basic. <laughs> Shorter, I guess? No, but anyway, that's that's what the alliance was. <laughs> it was just like the most boring car you could possibly imagine. I, so cool. my initial my initial response when you first said that was Oh, Chrysler LeBaron. Yeah. And it looks like a LeBaron. Yeah, exactly. Should have gone with my gut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, super basic car looks a lot like a Chrysler LeBaron. It looks like it might be smaller, and it also looks like it's just kind of like, like, like someone took a, <laughs> someone took a Chrysler LeBaron and it was like, um, That's, I know what you're, I know what you mean by that. Despite how boring and basic and the hurtness of it, um, <laughs> apparently it was good enough for car and driver because they named the Alliance their car of the year in 1983, which I think like, I don't want to make any enemies in automotive, in the automotive press. Um, like the Chrysler, like the car and driver car of the year doesn't mean anything. It's a fake list. It's like a fake award that gives, they give to people who pay money. I don't know, man. I think we'll have to look into that. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Dude, I got a hunch. Okay. <laughs> do you know the New York Times bestseller list has nothing to do with sales? I think we discussed that last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's an interesting tidbit, boys, about this uh, Renault AMC acquisition. At the time, Renault was owned by the French government, meaning Dude. AMC was also owned by the French government. A problem arose when they realized that AMC had a subdivision called AM General, which produced vehicles for the military, like big 6x6 transport trucks. The French government was not allowed to own a defense contractor like AM General, so Renault sold off the AM General assets to General Motors. Included in those assets was the iconic seven-slot Jeep grille design and the Hummer name. That's what you call a come up! In the early 80s, AMC was doing okay, but the winds began to change once again. Their small car sales were flopping hard. If AMC wanted to survive the 80s, they needed something big. And that was a tall order since Renault themselves weren't doing super hot either. Back in France, it was perceived that AMC's troubles were weighing down Renault and by extension, the government. And oh <laughs> by double extension, the French people, because their taxes were covering Renault's losses. Dude, AMC's so bad at being a car company, they're going to tank a country. 
The <laughs> options were either sell AMC or do something big. And Renault did something big. They hired one George Bess to run Renault. Bess had a reputation in France for turning things around and making them profitable again. But one key tactic for George's turnaround success was a particularly negative one. Uh, layoffs. He's like another Renault president, uh, Mr. Carlos Ghosn. Very, very true, Joe. Uh, there's a lot of parallels between uh, Bess and Ghosn. Uh, when acting as director of aluminum firm, uh, this, another French name I'm going to butcher, aluminum firm Pecine Ug... I think it's Pecini. Pecini Ugini Coleman. Pecini... Bethany <laughs> Eugene Coleman, uh, Bess ordered the layoff of 30,000 employees. Oof. Yeah, you could call George a lot of things, but not inconsistent because his first directive at Renault was to lay off 21,000 people. George Bess was now responsible for 51,000 people losing their job, and some people might have seen that as an anti-working class move. I think you, I think you could say that out of the side of your mouth. If you wanted to. Nah, I, no, 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 no. Nolan, I think you've earned it. All right. Some people might have seen that as an anti-working class move. I think it's like okay, that, some people like you got it. Because remember, we've been talking about Gary and all these like revolutionary people who are sticking up for the little guy. Okay. And so like, I yeah. think you should really hit that some people because then all we're right. like, oh, we've been talking about those people. Some people might have seen that as an anti-working class move. Thank you. Thank you. No, I feel foreshadowed. Good. Within 20 months of Georges taking the reins, Renault was profitable again, and he started investing more money into AMC, despite the pressure from the French public to let the company go. After all, these workers he laid off were union employees, and yet he wanted to send more money to the U.S.? That's an entirely different country. It was hard for a lot of people to accept, but Georges believed that the key to AMC's success, and by extension Renault's, was making big innovations at Jeep. The SUV craze was on the horizon, and Georges wanted Jeep to lead the way. Georges approved the development of a 4-liter inline-six engine, an engine that would be used in the Jeep Cherokee SUV, and honestly, it's one of the top 10 Maybe one of the top 10 engines of all time. It really Super is. Super reliable. Gets the job done. You can drive them till three gajillion. I mean, there's like million mile motors out there. Yeah. My buddy Cody has a, uh, his family has a Cherokee with like 350,000 miles on it. And it still runs like a champ. Yeah. It's a great, great engine. So things are going great for Georges until November 16th, 1987. On his ride home from Renault headquarters, uh, George was probably reading some documents that he didn't have time for at the office, as was his routine. He probably didn't notice the two women pushing a baby stroller down the sidewalk. As his car approached the curb, his daughter waited by the second story window like she did every night. George stepped out of the car as the women approached him. The women said nothing as they fumbled with the blanket in the stroller. It wasn't carrying a baby, but two guns. One of the women opened fire, hitting George four times before he fell to the sidewalk. After shooting George, the assailants dropped their guns and ran to a pair of waiting motorcycles, one of which was driven by Jean-Marc Rouillon. Direct action had just hit their last and most high-profile target. 
the four of them went into hiding as direct action claimed responsibility for George's death in a letter sent to newspapers three months later. They cited George's layoffs as a cause for retaliation as his, quote, imperialist capitalist actions had directly affected workers in France. The four of them, Natalie Menillon, uh, Joël Abron, George Cipriani, and leader Jean-Marc Rion were found shortly after the direct action letter was published, hiding out in a farmhouse in Orleans, a hour and a half south of Paris. During their respective trials, all four assassins denied any involvement in the shooting, despite the fact that police found the original letter claiming responsibility when they raided the farmhouse. Well, do they want to take uh, responsibility for it or not? Because they seem like I think they're like, proud of oh, it, but they don't want to go to jail kind of thing. Yeah, it's like you want to be proud of it until you're like until there's arrested. consequences. Yeah, and then you're like, ah, turns out this fucking sucks. Ah, man. The fame was great, but these prison bars kind of suck. We'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. Yeah, like last podcast on the left is doing like a really deep, like super multi-part series on uh, um, the Kennedy assassination. And like apparently right after uh he did it or quote unquote did it uh lee harvey oswald was just like instant regret like oh man i didn't really think this through and i think like that's the case for like a lot of these quote unquote revolutionaries which like it's like you're not running for office you're not like playing by the rules of the system you're not like really affecting change at all you're like robbing banks and killing people and like probably like smoking a bunch of cigarettes drinking wine and like effing each other and they're like yeah. basically like pulling a push of tea and like doing like revolutionary <laughs> cosplay. That was great. They brought it back full circle. Thanks, man. So after George's death, Renault replaced him with a guy named Raymond Levy, who gave into the pressure and sold off AMC. He was afraid that if AMC went under, it could have meant more layoffs back home at Renault. And he understandably didn't want to risk his life for America's smallest automaker. So in March of 1987, Renault sold the American Motor Corporation to Chrysler for a cool $1.5 billion. And Chrysler soon split the company up into two brands, Jeep and Eagle. And just like that, AMC was no more. That's that, that's the story. A bop, dude. That is a story. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing just during the research for this how attached I got to AMC. I have like such a new kind of... Uh, appreciation for the brand even though they Mm -hmm. had a lot of issues they still made some very interesting cars and also just the whole this the story with Jean-Roch Rion and direct action is just like so it's bizarre and (laughs) it's crazy it's bonkers it's absolute certified begonkers yeah um (laughs) I don't know I I had a lot of uh fun um researching this one for sure yeah, this was it. it I, I was like confused at first because it was like two different stories going on at once. But uh, it's kind of like AMC was assassinated as well. Yeah. And, Damn, um, you know, that, you know, direct action, they wanted to get back and get some revenge for the working class. But I think, you know, after the breakup of AMC, who's, you know, I couldn't find any hard numbers on this, but I'm, I'm, I, I have to imagine that when AMC was broken up, that a lot of people lost their jobs as well. So really, mm-hmm, yeah. 
how much of the working class did these guys actually protect with this action? I don't think it was very many. As far as like uh, current events goes, like it makes me think like, oh, shit, like Carlos Ghosn very well could be assassinated or like kidnapped and brought back to Japan or some kind of shit like that because he basically did the same thing. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he has he has like what is it, like X green berets protecting him in lebanon yeah right he has now, a 13 right? million dollar bounty on his head too yeah yeah so i mean we're de- <laughs> the, the gone story is definitely not over but i would not be surprised if there's any sort of violence in it like we like we saw today in this story so yeah we're more. not condoning any violence we're just saying like it's very possible with these trying times um who do you think owns like the amc name that's a good question i don't know um do you want to buy it <laughs> i think it'd be cool if donut bought amc that would be so be amazing really cool. um there's like a, a really clean stock eagle uh like two blocks away from me and i always just like slow down to look at it when i drive past it it's so cool. that's such a bizarre looking car yeah because it's like a wagon dude. but it's also like a little small right like it's yeah and it's lifted. lifted the lifted yeah. part is the <laughs> yeah. craziest part yeah it's all-wheel drive it's crazy it's, it's so cool well thank um, you guys so much for listening nolan what do we got coming up next week Ooh, i think our next topic is the uh we're gonna do a big series on a certain motorcycle gang um should we reveal it now? I think, I mean, there's only one motorcycle gang that we would cover. Uh, we're going to be doing the a series. Biker boys. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the Mayans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to do a series on the uh, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, no. Um, uh, the Hells Angels. We're doing a series on the Hells Angels. Uh, I've already started doing some preliminary research, and we're going to try to... We're going to try to separate fact from fiction and find out what the real story is, because there's a lot of... There's such a... a, a uh, well, not iconic, but infamous group that uh, there's a lot of... They're lot incorporated. Of t- they're they're like- incorporated. Anyway, we're going to be doing the Hells Angels next week, so s- stay tuned for that. Uh, should yeah. be very interesting. Also, we have just launched what we're calling Donut Every Day. Uh, we have an upload every day of the week, so make sure that you support um every donut show or at least check it out and uh see if you like it uh we like all of them so every monday we have nolan show wheelhouse every tuesday we have bumper to bumper with our buddy jeremiah jeremiah is truly we, we had him on the podcast for two episodes uh he's truly one of the most interesting people i've ever met uh right. so he does everything like, he he races motorcycles on the weekends like supercross and motocross yeah, and uh, street bikes, like actually races them, not just like rides them. Like he goes and races. Um, he's nine and a half feet tall. <laughs> he's handsome. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got, got the proportions style. of Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chiseled. So that's Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, uh, another handsome guy. Uh, Zach Job is hosting Money Pit. You remember Zach Job from High Low? He was my team high. Um, teammate thursday is my show up to speed friday is another show that i host called the d list um and every that's it's a list show (laughs) it's a different car list show every week it's super fun um we sort of started it um because i'm stuck in my garage and i don't have anything else to do so we gave me a new show um and then saturday is another new show called versus 
uh, hosted by our buddy Joey. And then, of course, every Sunday um, on our Donut Podcast channel on YouTube, we have Past Gas uh, with Joe Weber, me, and Nolan. Um, and so that's that's seven that's seven a week. So that's Donut Every Day. And then uh, I just want to clarify that the podcast, if you're listening to it, yes, it will still come out on Monday everywhere that you get your podcasts. Let us know on our subreddit if you want to hear about any particular subject on the podcast. We're always looking for new stories to tell. Uh, sure. Yeah, so follow Donut on at Donut Media on all social. Uh, follow James Pumphrey at James Pumphrey as well. Follow Joe at Joe G Weber. And follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. Um, be kind. I love uh, you. See you next time. Fire it up, Joe. Fire it up. There we go. Wink, wink. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, wink, wink. Fire it up. <laughs> <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.